Welcome, everybody, to the uh, Drunk Turkey Show. I'm Daniel. Alongside with me is Big Blue and Hyman. And it does seem and appear that the uh, hiccups are finally gone, as last couple of times, uh, it would have happened like five times by now, right? So yeah. <clears throat> it seems to have gone away. Good, good, good deal. Uh, today, though, is a um, was the anniversary of a very sad day. You know, one year ago today, the uh, there was a quadruple homicide. And Kaylee Gonsalves, Maddie Mogan, Zana Kernodal, and Ethan Chapin, their lives were taken. And it was a senseless act. It was an act of cowardness of somebody going into a home while, while people were asleep and felt safe inside their home and committed a crime with such veracity and, and ill will and, and no remorse. And so... What we're going to do is we're going to start today with a um, with a moment of silence for those that you know for, for well for the four victims and their family members who are going through a, a tough time. You know, I, I spoke with Christy yesterday, and they're doing all right, but it, it's been a rough couple of days. So let's have a moment of silence for them. And thank you, guys. So today what we're going to be doing is we're going to be talking about the case. We're going to reflect over the last year. What is true? What is false? The, uh, you know, just simply what are the facts of the case, right? Uh, and we'll start off in the beginning. There was a phone call or a 911 call made at around noon. And it was referencing an unconscious person. Uh, once officers arrived there and arrived to the scene, that it was obvious that it wasn't the situation. Now, we have learned since that a couple of the, um, well, that one of the rooms was locked up or blocked. The door was blocked. And nobody could enter in. And we know that once somebody was able to enter into the into that room, which was Ethan's best friend, he was able to see what he saw. And, and then he called 911. Based on what we heard from the beginning, I'll ask you this, Hyman. Uh, do you think, because the 911 tape hasn't been released yet, the information most likely is already out there. You know, that, that one of the bodies was blocking the door mm -hmm. and, and that it, who it was that found and why they were called and when they were called. Why do you think that the 911 call is still under under gag? I'm, the only thing I can think of is probably the fact that they're still trying to just keep um, the gag order legit. You know what I mean? Like the, the person who called in or who actually called in maybe handed off the phone to someone else, you know? Yeah. It, it could be that or it could be... Um, and it could be, I don't know if it, because like in the, any, any other um, crimes like like that one, they usually, that's the 911 call is usually the first thing that comes out, right? Yeah. That's, I don't, I don't, I don't recall a case where there was a 911 phone call that occurred and it was being hidden for so long. You know? 
Big Blue, what do you think? What, what, what do you, why do you think it still hasn't been released to this day? I honestly, uh, I don't know why they haven't released it yet. Maybe I'm not sure if there's uh, something with uh, having to do with the state and having to go to court first before they release it with the privacy thing, or it's just that maybe that they're protecting a witness. They maybe they said their name in there, but they can always beep out the, the witness's voice or their name. They say this is night calling, so I, I don't know. Yeah, Canadian true crime buff comes in with a 50. Super chat. Thank you so much. We appreciate you. She says, um, <clears throat> have a great live tonight. You guys, the best DTS has the best chat and all the mods are awesome people. Uh, can't be here tonight, but have left my DNA. Much love to y'all. Thank you. Much love to yourself as well. Please, Thank if you, you guys haven't already, hit the uh, hit that like button. We'd appreciate it. So, <clears throat> and just real quick, Big Blue, to answer your question uh i think it's coming in on your end because when i go back and listen to it i don't hear anything it comes in pretty clear on my side i hear blues perfectly good (laughs) no he he said that it was my voice i don't know it sounds choppy on your side that's what i'm saying when i go back and listen to it mine doesn't sound that bad let me know in the live chat if my audio is coming in kind of weird yeah because somebody put it in there right there all right. Well, that no, just sounds good now. All right. Let me know if if it uh, acts up again, and and then I'll uh, I'll pull myself out and fix it real quick. Nice. All right. People are saying that it is. I'm gonna pull myself out. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. I see. I, I see Angel D is in here. I wonder if she, you know, saw the the little short we made. <laughs> that was uh, when was it called? Danny was saying uh, things of the nature, and then yeah. you with your was it butter sausage? <laughs> A little <laughs> bit of honey on my lips. <laughs> yeah, right. I, 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 you sound good, man. Like the audio on your side is good. I don't know if it's good on my side. Yeah, your audio is good. Yeah, you two guys sound good to me. What about me? Does it sound all right? That's better. Yeah, now it is. All right. Yeah, I just um, unplugged everything, restarted, and got it going again. So, so yeah, the 911 call hasn't been released. I find it a little bit weird, but then again, maybe perhaps there was an intention for it to be released. However, um, after the arrest of Brian Koberger, maybe perhaps they felt that it was better to just kind of keep it under under gag order. Um, you know, the only other thing I can think of is that maybe perhaps. No, yeah, that's about it. I mean, to be honest with you. I mean, uh, even with the gag order, a lot, of, a lot of stuff came out, you know. Yeah. Um, a lot of information did come out with the gag order. So, You guys think that the uh, 911 call is going to be part of the uh, court hearing? I'm sure it will. I'm sure it will. Yeah, I'm pretty sure because the defense is going to want to try to use it for some, you know, reason that they, they, um, you know, at the time that they called and try to get like the time of death and everything, or even the prosecution would use it to say it was mm-hmm. called this many hours after the deceased passed. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, especially especially if like in the in the nine one one car, if you can hear a lot, like a lot of people, they can yeah. use that and say, "Oh, look how many people were here that was uh, contaminating the the scene." You know what I mean? They can use use it like that too. Yeah. Well, I mean, that information is eventually going to come out, regardless. You know, especially if they do bring it up in court. You know, I, I was just kind of wondering or thinking out loud. I mean, I know the defense is going to want to use it. And the defense is going to want to use the eight-hour window as um, some sort of indication that there was something else that had occurred. Right? That's that's the biggest issue with this, right? That eight-hour window, she was in frozen shock phase. Dylan, that is. But she couldn't call 911, yet she, she or somebody else in the house, whether it was her or Bethany, were able to call uh, Ethan's best friend and not call 911 right so those let's be honest those things don't line up right those dots don't connect now i know the defense is going to want to use that i don't know how even though you know she may have acted in the way she had if there's no other dots connecting her to the murder that you know what i mean there's still no dots that connect her directly to the murder and the reason being is because, and this is one of the things, I know that a lot of folks thought that there was possible uh, drugs or something like that affiliated with this case. And the thing that I'm saying is that all four victims had their phone there and they were forensically downloaded. Bethany and Dylan's phones were forensically downloaded. Jack DeCore's phone was forensically downloaded and gone through by the police department. I feel that if there was something there, it, it would have been found. Right. And and what, what what's the theory uh, that why why Brian Koberger, why him? He's a fall guy. And they and, and why do they need a fall guy? Because of pressure of the University of Idaho. Right. That's the theory. Well, if that's true. Now, I'll ask you this, this guys, if that's true, don't you think that if the appropriate and I'll put that in quotation marks, the appropriate killer. Okay, if if the appropriate or the real killer um, were to have presented themselves or evidence would have presented itself, wouldn't they have arrested that guy or girl? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't I think going down that route, I mean, in the beginning, all the routes pretty much open, you know, all the theories were, you know, good to go, you know, at one point. But then uh, slowly the, you know, some of the evidence and information started coming out. Then you started, you know, um, not paying attention to those kind of, you know, theories, and then you start knowing that, you know, the 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 pings and all that on the, on, on his phone. <clears throat> so like, it makes it just feel like it was a, like the process of elimination. It just takes you to that certain point where, you know, you finally oh, okay, this might be the guy. This they all fits towards towards this person, mm-hmm. you know. I was going to say, even though with the gag order, there was still plenty of information with the the court records to be able to identify, uh, like, certain, you know, why they thought it's him. Um, So I've seen other cases where, I mean, at the time, what I'm saying is, like, like what I'm doing is I want to, I guess, attack the theory at its core, right? The theory at the core is that there was 
pressure from the University of Idaho, right? Because of money. That's that's what the theory is. Money, the University of Idaho is losing money, so they put pressure on the Moscow Police Department. First, I don't think the FBI cares about the pressure that's being put on Moscow Police Department. That's a federal agency. And, you know, that doesn't make any sense. So the thing is, if if they were willing to set up somebody just so they can re- alleviate the pressure, then that tells me that if the appropriate or the person they thought was the real killer had the information or evidence presented itself earlier on in the investigation, then they would have arrested the appropriate person because the objective is still completed. It's the same thing, which is, you know, solving the case before the end of the semester. I think that was what the theory is. Now, what that tells me is, is it still going out? Let me, let me mute myself real quick. Yeah, I don't. Blue? Oh, is it, is it me? No, no, no. I've been meaning mine just so I can make sure it's not me. Yeah, so I guess uh, tonight, if, uh, since we're not able to attend the visual, a lot of people are turning on their, their porch lights uh, for, for those poor, beautiful souls. Yeah, I didn't even uh, actually see if they were going to hold the visual at the site or or what they were going to do over there today. Uh, this is um, crime sleuthing. Yeah, we'll we'll pray for that as well. We hope she's all right. Uh, Blue, am I am I sounding better? Yeah, you're sounding good. All right, I um I tried doing the uh, plugging uh, this stuff from my mic and see if that works. Yeah, that's a lot better. <laughs> all right, cool. So basically, what I was saying is, if the goal was just to alleviate that pressure from the University of Idaho and to arrest somebody just to arrest someone, then if the real person would have brought themselves to attention, right? Like, let's just say it was a drug dealer. If that, if information would have came up early enough in the investigation, don't you think that they would have arrested that person so that they wouldn't, you know, be under the pressure or scrutiny of, of the University of Idaho. And then you got to think if it was a Patsy thing, uh, and they were just trying to blame it on anybody. And it was, again, the same thing. The The theory is, is because of pressure from the University of Idaho uh, due to money, then why not blame Kopaka, the guy who, you know, isn't alive anymore, who SWAT took his life, Right. And because he was threatening his roommates, apparently, supposedly, allegedly. I don't know. I, I haven't into this case. But allegedly, that's the report. So if that ends up being the situation, I just don't see where it connects. What, what about, what do you think, Big Blue? Yeah, I don't see any connections there with the school, like trying to... Um, Force like the police to frame somebody, and I don't think um, with the information that we have, I don't think they did frame somebody. I was just right. No, trying to help Obviously. Jaime with his audio because he's, he's having right. issues with his audio. All right. 
<laughs> no, I, I am not moving my feet around any cables. I I don't know what's going on with it. It could be StreamYard, to be honest with you guys. StreamYard's been acting up here recently. Uh, so it could be that. No date set for trial right now. That's true. Um, so we find out, to get back to, to everything that we know so far, we find out later that uh, they're looking for a white Elantra. And initially what comes out is a 2011 to 2013 Elantra. What we know now is that they didn't get Brian Koberger's name from the IgG results uh, until December 19th. That information that they wanted a 2011 to 13 Hyundai Elantra was on December 7th. So what that tells me, Blue, is... Well, let me rephrase this. We know that, according to the probable cause, that the FBI investigator looked at the tapes in Washington State, uh, Washington, Pullman, Washington, and from that tape, they were able to determine that the Elantra could have been 2011 to 16, and then they went back and looked at the other ones and also knew that it could have been 2011 to 16. Um, what that all tells me is, that they weren't one a aware of Brian Koberger who he was. I know there's been a lot of speculation out there saying that you know cops knew who he was right away or December or November 29th. They knew who he was. Not necessarily the case, right? Because had they known who he was, they they would I think they would have included 2011 to 2016 Hyundai Elantra. Thank you, Terry Blue, for your 199 super chat. We appreciate that. And yeah, I agree. But, I, 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 if they would have known it was like him at that time, they would have his near model car that he drives. So they would have added it, they would have updated it. And they say it was a tactic. I mean, like sometimes I I hear that sometimes you know the police do do tactics where like they might not put 100% of the right information out there because they know that the, the suspect. Is going to be the only one that knows that right information. So if they put it out there that we're looking for this year model, then somebody's going to start panic and run. So they were off a couple of years, and maybe that he wasn't panicking. He's like, oh, they 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 can't even guess my car right. Um, that might be a tactic to use. The thing is, if they knew who he was, and they knew what car he was, right? Why? Why ask the public to be on the lookout for the wrong car? Why ask the public to be on the lookout for a car anyways? If, if the theory is they didn't want to alert him that they were on to him. And so they decided to put out for a car that is a different generation. That doesn't make sense because if they knew who he was, they had the information, then you watch him and you build a case on him and you dig into his past right mm -hmm. you know and and perhaps you you go and ask some neighbors and, and things like that uh, about certain things but you got to be discreet so it doesn't get back to him and if the goal is to be discreet and him not to know that you're onto him why put out that you're even aware of a vehicle what yeah, do you think i think they, yeah, they had to oh. I said, um, yeah, law enforcement had no idea. 
Um, like you said, if they knew, they would have known the exact model, um, his whereabouts, shit. They would have probably known his um, license plate number by then. Yeah, yeah. You know, and 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 the thing is, if you go look at the, at at the probable cause affidavit, and you look at how they got the warrant for Koberger's phone locations the night of the incident, it's not information that um, wasn't available November 29th, December 10th. All of that information was available well before then. What they used was information that was public, right? And they also used his phone number and from a citation that they had and corroborated that with or, or compared that with the list of phone numbers that were or were not connected to the tower near uh, the King Road residence. And when they saw that it didn't connect, they probably could see when, you know, that his phone turned off at a certain point that it was connected and then it dropped off. Uh, and that doesn't necessarily mean that their, um, you know, their phone is off. That just could mean that they've left a different area and they're no longer in service of that one tower. Right. So you have that information, you have the schooling information, you have the Reddit information. All those things were what you were used to get his warrant. All those things were ready and available prior to December 19th. Yeah. And I mean, yet they thing, waited till then. One thing I, I do want to say is they probably were putting out the, the car because they were still trying to get footage, you know, feedback from the public to see where he went and where he drove through. Mm -hmm. Tom comes in with a $5 super chase says, I agree they wanted to watch his movements after releasing a vehicle make a model they give the right year he might himself they want justice I mean I think the fact that it's a white Ford sedan that um, Hyundai Elantra I mean you can say that it's 2011 to 13 but when you go and actually look at the differences between the 11 and 13 they're so minor it's very difficult to tell um, especially like at night and whatnot so i think that during i think that there's no way um that they knew who he was early on plus the use of the fbi utilizing the igg the <laughs> state's own the state's own paperwork that by policy the fbi cannot use their resources to conduct an igg workup unless there is no suspects and all law enforcement tactics have been exhausted. So meaning the only way they can use that or utilize that is if they have no idea who the guy is. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, I think, I think for, if they were giving out the wrong information to, to, to not alert him, can you imagine all the tips that they would have got? You know what I mean? I mean, like the, they already got so many people, um, calling in that they couldn't keep up and for them to do it on purpose to not um, alert the suspect, I think it, it doesn't make sense. I think they would like want the most um, what's it called? Most uh, the biggest lead instead of just getting random people reporting like random cars. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that, that just kind of tells you that they didn't have anything then. You know, thank you, Sissy, for your nine-month membership. Wow, thank you. That's awesome. Everyone hit that like and subscribe. We appreciate that. You know, and the other thing is, 
if police suspected this guy of being a uh, quadruple homicide, you know, murderer, and he is uh, a danger to society, he's already killed four people, you're going to want to get him off the streets pretty quick, regardless of who he is, whether he's a PhD student or uh, an ex-con. You know, just based on the nature of the most recent crime, you're going to want to get him off the street as soon as possible. You know, and they built a case pretty quick against them. If September 19th, which does make sense, was the day that they got his information. And that's when they started to build this case. <clears throat> 23rd is when they they applied for and were granted the phone ping warrant or the phone location warrant. And 27th is when they did the uh, the trash pool at his parents' house. Uh, for the DNA match. So all, all that stuff happened after December 19th. <clears throat> so I, I just think that they didn't know. They had no idea. And I think that they weren't really aware of it being a 2013 to 2016 until after Koberger's arrest. That, that's my thoughts. And I think that's going to be a hurdle for the prosecution. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, how, how do you think that there, what do you think is a good defense for the prosecution for not changing it or for putting down the wrong, the wrong year? Well, I think it's going to lead, it's going to be like a snowball effect. I think they're going to go from the beginning of the case, how, you know, we saw officers in the house from, you know, not in gear to, to the year of the car and just make it seem like the law enforcement and, you know, the agencies weren't uh, being able to, they weren't able to take care of all the evidence and, and like, how can I explain it? I'm having a hard time thinking right now. Um, like processing everything without them contaminating and making sure that everything's in, in its place. They're going to bring that through the whole court system. That way they can make it seem like, the agencies are incompetent. Correct. Yeah, and, and that's what they've been trying to do. Um, they, they, that's why they've been asking for, for instance, background and, and training. They're, they're trying to find something that's going to slip them up. Um, what, are you, what are your thoughts, Big Blue? Yeah, I think uh, the same thing. They're going to attack it from the, like Hyman said in the beginning, you know, the way they collected the evidence, the way... Um, they conducted the search of the house the way they you know we we looked at the case already where they were looking at the Brady Giglio cases against the, the two officers uh, so they you know they're, they're, they're trying to find something minute it might you know to me it might not be enough to to dismiss the case but maybe to put a little bit of like um, questionability into the into the jury's thought thought process. I know yeah. it, you know could they could cross contaminate the the sleeves because they didn't you know wear booties when they're walking to the to the house. But that's gonna be kind of hard because where the DNA was found is really hard place to put somebody's DNA. And where did these people even meet Brian Koberger to get his DNA? You know what I mean, like, so that's, that's where all the theories go right out the window. So, 
know. Yeah. I mean, you know, all, all those all those theories. Yeah. I mean, if, if you put the problem, the thing is, sometimes um, somebody will come up with a theory and they'll look at it from just that singular focus point. Like, for instance, um, you know, it, it, if somebody says you know, anything and it makes sense for that one part of the story, but not for the entire part, and, and they're just focusing in on that one part, right? Like, for instance, the drug, the drug deal. Um, they're focusing in on, all right, it took them eight hours to call police, so there must have been drugs. There must have been a cleanup. But they're not factoring in, all right, well, there would be evidence of drug use or drug sales or whatever the case may be, especially on their phone. These are 20, 21-year-olds who use their phone constantly, who are, you know, probably making or setting up, you know, uh, deals if that's in fact what they were doing. And police were able to forensically, not just police, but FBI were able to go through those phones, I, I just feel that there would have been evidence of that, right? And the and the only thing that that would mean was that if there if if drugs were involved and there was evidence of it, then that would mean that the police department uh, were the ones that framed Brian Koberger to protect some drug dealers. And when you look at it from that angle, it doesn't make sense where. You know, the FBI who was investigating this and from all indications seem like they're the ones that really solved this case. You know what I mean? You know, you don't think they're going to come across something as well, you know, especially in an investigation like this where so many eyes, so many checks and balances, so many departments are looking into it. And logically, do you think that, you know, these officers or these FBI agents are going to say, I'm going to I'm going to risk my freedom, my job, my career, my livelihood for some crooked cop in a small ass town that nobody had heard about prior to this incident. I mean, let's be real. But and how, so how, it doesn't make sense. I was going to say, but how many times have we heard that the FBI steps in to help out and catch somebody when the local police can't and they take over the case. I mean, this time they didn't. They left it for you know the local police department to take care of it. But they helped them out, which is also something that they do. I mean, they do it here in Texas all the time. When they can't find somebody, they get the Texas you know Rangers into the into the mix to help out. And you know they don't get like question about how they found the person or how their theories happened. Mm -hmm. I don't know why the big question is how the FBI, which is the FBI, they know a lot more about us than, than we want them to know. We would get that information. Yeah, I think I think um, going with uh, the frame framing, Brian, I think, mm -hmm. I mean, first of all, you have to go through multiple agencies, right? Yeah. Which that's hard to do even you know even if you know people but um also like it wouldn't it be easier to frame someone their age someone that they knew someone that they had like um contact with instead of someone that was super like not super old but older than them a lot older than them that they had no contact with them 
Yeah. You know, I, I was looking at our comment section. Somebody brought that up, and and they, they said it's because Koberger's from out of town. Yeah, and I started laughing because I, I think the population was like twenty three thousand, and only mm -hmm. like two thousand or three thousand are locals. The rest is from out of town. Yeah, the, so, so yeah, you're right. <laughs> you're right, man. It, 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 like I said, it makes sense for the small, like narrow wine, narrow picture frame. You know, you make a, a three inch box, three inch window. You look through that three inch window, you know, and there's a hundred foot door there. And, and it makes sense for that three inch window. But when you take a step back and you look at the entire picture, it makes zero sense. You know what I mean? You know, that's that's just what it what it is now. <clears throat> so Brian Koberger ends up getting arrested, right? Gets arrested. Why does he get arrested? There's the IgG that that's what pointed at him. Now, the IgG that pointed at him isn't enough to, like, arrest him or anything. That's just saying, hey, go look at this guy. Now, the reason why it's not enough to arrest him is because the FBI and the IgG did not do a direct comparison from the DNA on the knife sheath to Brian Koberger's cheek or his DNA, or even to the DNA that was found on the, um, in the trash that was ended up being his father's, right? They're, they're not comparing those things. They're only, gra they, they got his DNA, they put it in a database and got a bunch of names of people who opted in uh, to be a part of, uh, this, you know, ancestry thing, 23andMe. And then they piece together information to come up with a possible suspect. None of this can be used in court, right? It's like a lie detector test. Can't be used in court. Uh, there's no guarantee that the person that the IgG is pointing at is, in fact, your suspect. So that's why you go and collect their DNA and match it directly. Right. You don't you don't. That's that's all you got to do is. All right. Let's go and pull some trash. They pull trash out at his parents. house because remember, if they found out December 19th, right, let's, let's assume that's the day they found out Brian Koberger's name. Big Blue, where was Koberger December 19th? December 19th, I want to say he was already driving back, right? No, he was already in the Pocono Mountains. He yeah. had left, I think it was December 13th, All right? So December 19th, they get his name. They go to his apartment or they try to watch him. It's not there, All right? So they go, they run his license plate through license plate check readers, and they find out that he through a plate reader in Colorado. And then they find out about these two stops in Indiana. So then you know, with a little bit of research, it's probably not that hard. They probably figure out that he's headed back home. They, they pull the trash DNA uh, or the trash, which is 100% legal and has zero to do with the IgG. You know, there's there's some creators out there that are saying that the IgG that the FBI created pointed to Brian Koberger's father. And that's far from the truth. Right. I mean, you guys agree with that? Yeah, so, I agree. With so, <clears throat> I mean, I even had a conversation with uh, 
the defense's own witness, Gabriel Gabriela Vargas. All right. Um, we were invited to the Truth and Transparency uh, show, which is one of the channels that is more pro-innocence when it comes to Brian Koberger. They had probable cause before the IgG. Um, no, not necessarily. They didn't know who he was before the IgG. But just because you get information doesn't necessarily mean that's anything. Like, like for instance, Blue could tell me that Jaime is a horrible person and he does some sort of evil crime in his in his spare time. And does that give me, if I was a police officer, the right to go arrest him? Like, hey, knock on your door. Big Blue told me that you're doing horrible things late at night. Yeah, Let's you, go. You, 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 you get Funko you should Pops. You to myself. <laughs> I see, you, you get, get Funko get Pops evidence. off the back of trucks. <laughs> All right. You got to get evidence. You got to get evidence. And so, like, the thing that the thing that I think is, hilarious, is, is funny, and I don't understand... I don't understand the logic behind it, to be 110% honest with you. Brian Koberger's defense team is wanting to introduce evidence that points to Brian Koberger's guilt that is not usable in court. That is equivalent to as if Brian Koberger took a lie detector test and failed it, which is not usable in court against him, and his own defense attorneys are fighting to have it put in. Like, I don't know about you guys, but, you know, in the words of my favorite commentator, Pepper Brooks, it's a bold move, Cotton. Let's see if it works. <laughs> the outro? You know it. You know it. And that is a dodgeball reference if you guys are not aware of. Holly Holly comes in with their membership for six months. Shine the light on for the victims. 100%. You know it. But why didn't they buckle swab his cheek first before pulling the trash? Well, buckle swabbing his cheek would require a warrant, which require evidence. Right. And the trash doesn't require those things. You get the trash, then you can uh, match it to either himself or a family member. And that gets you to do a lot of things, plus arrest him, and then to check his cheek. Now, once you do that, once you check the, the, the cheek and he passes, the DNA that was used that um, from the trash that matched his dad is irrelevant at that point, if that makes sense. There you go. If you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge the IgG. <laughs> Uh man, apparently they're not they're not dodging anything. But I like that. So um what do you guys think about that tactic? I'm gonna start off with you first, Big Blue. What do you think about the tactic of, of putting in the IGG? Because here's the thing the results of the IGG point at Brian Koberger. And the way you confirm those results is by testing Brian Koberger's DNA to the DNA on the sheet. If it comes back that it's a match, then that means that the work that they did on the IG is correct. 
So it's it's only basically confirmation, right? How would you? What would you do, Blue? Would you know? How how is this a tactic in your opinion? I mean, if it's not needed, and if it was, if I was a defense, I mean, of course, I want to try to use it because the the way the way they're trying to use it is in a bad way. Oh, they use the family tree that's illegal, and this case is dismissed. That 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 DNA is no good, but. You know, it wasn't the the police department that did that. So that's that's why I think that their the defense is trying to use it. But mm-hmm. I think um, that with the new, the new with all the new laws and all the new steps that they're taking with IGG, things are changing. Uh, you know, I think those laws are eventually going to go out the window. Because they're solving so many cases with those kind of trees, with those yeah. kind of testing, and, and that's the thing too. That, that that's the thing too. They, the the defense is assuming that, or the defense is saying that there's no, um, what do you call it, um, president on IGG and 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 work in Idaho, and, and that's true. However, there is in a lot of other states. And it's never worked out in the favor of the defense when it comes to the IgG. It has been acceptable and usable. But you know, I had in my comment section or in the comment section one time somebody say, uh, "Daniel, is there a situation where something could happen that would make um, following the tip illegal?" My answer is no. There's no situation that would keep police from you know um investigating somebody uh, police can investigate somebody just just to investigate them they don't they don't have to have a reason to be honest with you now they have to have a reason if they're going to pull warrants and things like that but if they want to just say hey you know i think i think blue's a shady guy i'm gonna go look into his public postings public stuff maybe just follow him a little bit and see if anything comes up and if something comes up during the process of that there's nothing wrong with it but yeah, no. What what do you guys think? And then I'll answer. Well, well, I'll give you the scenario that they said. They said that if somebody beats a person, and they get a they get a a a statement from that person, and then they go and tell the police. How do you how 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 is that eligible for an investigation or not? Yeah. Well, I mean, if the person recognizes them and knows who it is and that's common you know police work they use that tactic all the time no no no, not the police if if somebody random like if Jaime finds out that uh, his neighbor's up to no good and he knows his neighbor's up to no good so he goes out and torches or, or not torches uh, tortures his neighbor until they admit of their wrongdoing Jaime goes calls the police are are do you think police are could they lawfully investigate the neighbor at that point i mean at, at that point they would probably arrest hymen <laughs> torches maybe <laughs> but, uh, that's what i said know, um but there is nosy neighbors man like i know a lot of neighbors that will call the police on each other for noise complaints mm-hmm. or for just the way that 
you know, people hanging out in the backyard. And it can lead to something if you're doing something wrong. So it, it can stick. But, you know, sometimes it, it, it falls bad on you because you call the police for no reason. There's no, right. you know, they can give you a ticket for, you know, falsifying a crime or, or you know, wasting the police's time. Right. What about you, Jaime? What do you think? The scenario, you know, you, you torture someone and you get confession out of them. They're still alive. You go, you go to the police department, tell them, Hey, this person confessed to this crime. This is your guy. Does I mean, your actions make him uninvestigatable? Well, I mean, first of all, you need evidence, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't just go out there uh, and take it into your own hands. It's like that vigilante kind of thing, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, in that in that aspect, I'll probably be the one <laughs> getting arrested. But um, yeah, yeah, I don't think they have any way of pursuing or you know trying to make an investigation unless by the time they get there, there's something you know, some kind of evidence that just shows that whatever he said was true, but I don't even know if that's even plausible. Well, legal. Well, here, here's how it go down. Let's just say um, Big Blue is the officer, right? Um, you go to Big Blue and you tell Big Blue, I tortured this guy, beat him to down so he he confessed to, uh, you know, the homicide of a, of a cold case. This is who your guy is. And Blue would go and make, you know, probably hold you. And they go make contact with the guy. Make sure that you know what you're saying is true and you're not crazy and just saying you beat up somebody and, and there's really nobody there. Right? So they make contact with this person. And then they say, all right, we're going to arrest Jaime for the assault. And Jaime would go to, go to jail for said assault. And then the officer would go back to the victim and say, you know, we've arrested him. Now, he claims that you were involved in this. Is there any truth to that? And if I want to go look into this person's background or blue wants to look into that person's background as the officer, there's nothing illegal about that. Just because somebody else did something illegal to gather information. Now the officer couldn't use that in court. You know, when it comes down, like let's say this person gets arrested, the prosecution can't use, you know, Hyman's statement or the confession that Jaime got out of the guy because it was done illegally. That doesn't change the police. Because if that were the case, you know, um, I could go commit a really bad crime and then tell Jaime to break into my house, find evidence of such crime, or, or tip off police after breaking into my house that it was me, right? And you get a criminal trespass, which is a class misdemeanor, and I get away with something horrendous. That's not how that's not how the justice system works. You know what I mean? Because I mean that that would be a tactic that anybody could use. It's, this that's not how it works. Um, yeah. Tim Allen. Go ahead, Blue. I said there's guidelines and stuff that the police have to follow, so for it to even like stick as a as a crime, there's um, right. You know, I mean, there there is people that that do investigate people, and then they end up turning into the police and building cases on people. 
which is true. It happens all the time with online predators. You know, yeah. they have they have a lot of those guys that lure them to a house and then they videotape them. You know, especially like news stations, not news stations, but you know, like Dateline and all those guys have their shows that do it. And that's pretty weird that you're luring. I mean, it's not weird. You're trying to stop somebody from committing a crime. It's also weird that you're putting yourself in a really weird situation where it can go wrong. I mean, I'm pretty sure they have security, but still. Well, it depends. I mean, if it's one of those, and, and it becomes a real tricky situation if it's one of those, like, uh, just because I've seen some where they're just like YouTubers that are trying to catch predators. You know, more power to them. You know, predators need to be off the street. But, you know, they set up things and lure the person into it. And sometimes if they're very amateur, they don't even notify police to be there. I've seen yeah. that's happening and that's not, a, that's not good. That's you can, you can find yourself getting into some real trouble or hurt, especially if you're videotaping or you're, you're telling on a person who's, you know, life is basically at jeopardy. You know, you, you make a man, you make a person desperate and you don't want to be in front of a desperate person trying to, you know, save yeah, themselves I, I think um well that show to catch predator remember that yeah, was, yeah i think it was canceled because the fact that they caught this man talking to a kid and that man was uh something with uh like a something with the like a governor or something i'm not really sure a board member or something oh snap like and they, they ended up like confronting him and he went back home and took his life Oh, snap. that's the reason that they canceled the show. Yeah, see, you know, it. If you have an idea that those things are going on, it's better left to report those things versus trying to take those things into your own hands. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, for sure. So, hey, when it, when it comes down to the IGG rank that you said that this, the Fed was trying to, you know, make make sure that they brought it in. Mm-hmm. Um. Do you think they're trying to bring it in that way they can put more spotlight on the other two unknown DNAs? No, because they're not related. So the unknown, the, the IgG is just a workup of Brian Koberger's family. Right. Now, what the defense is arguing is saying that, hey, we don't have the workup for the other two. And the prosecution is saying, basically, they don't have brian koberger's much less than any other dna and i wouldn't be surprised if that dna wasn't even submitted yet you know a lot of folks might have the wrong misconception here maybe it's because you know law and order or or ncis or csi you know don't show multiple cases going on at the same time but there's a lot of crimes that are happening at the same time not all of them get the publicity as as others but just because a high-profile crime is happening doesn't mean that there's automatically some sort of, uh, multi, you know, more resources and that crime is stopping everywhere else so that all the resources can be um, put to one case, right? That's not realistic. It, it, it really isn't. And, and I say that because a lot of folks think that, you know, they, they, they see the problem cause affidavit they see the uh, the evidence that they have and they assume that police had that evidence day one like for instance the elantra you know they think that or people assume or how can i put this 
I've seen where people have commented on how, you know, they had the wrong car. They had the wrong car. And I'm just like, do you think that they had all the evidence and were able to review the evidence day one, day two, or even at the same time? No, there's so much video footage and, and only so many resources. There's yeah. a good chance that they had to piece this thing together over a long period of time, probably weeks, if not longer. Yeah. And but they did a good job in the time frame that they did get all this evidence, though. Because, yeah. I mean, they, yeah. two months. Right, exactly. I mean, it wasn't a very long time. You know, a lot of folks think that it was a long time, but it really wasn't, especially for a crime that didn't happen in the presence of view of an officer. And, you know, there wasn't any connection, you know, from between Brian Coburg and the victims, to our knowledge, and according to the defense. So, you know, you have somebody allegedly taking the lives of people that are random. So those 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 type of cases are a lot more difficult than we have a clear suspect. You know what I mean? Obviously. So, you know. But for me, you know, when everybody says, oh, they, they had him November 29th. Because. WSU found his car November 29th. I don't think they realize like people realize that it's not just as simple as like, hey, I got the car. Come, come arrest the guy. Now, the guy has to probably alert um, captain or whatever. And, and even at that, with so many cars, it's probably, all right, found it, jot it down, right? You know, call in the license plate number, get the information of the license plate number and the operator, put it al amongst all the other ones. Because I'm, I'm fairly positive that the officer at WSU Police Department wasn't like, all right, I'm going to get this list of white Elantras, 22,000 of them or whatever. And I'm going to go to only Brian Coburgers. No. <laughs> so, you know, it was probably in between a list of a lot of information. Right. And, and that information doesn't go just directly to Sergeant Payne. That information goes first to that officer sergeant. Then that officer sergeant, it goes from that officer sergeant to their lieutenant captain and has approval to the chain of command, which like I said, not everything goes and happens in one day, right? Um, there's a good possibility that if he saw that car on the 29th, that he could have just, and, and I've seen this happen before, they'll run a, um, a license plate, ask dispatch to print it out and put them all together. And then you go pick it up and then you have your report, you sent it out. It literally takes, it'll probably take, you know, maybe a few days before it actually gets to the Moscow Police Department. And once it arrives there, do you know how many tips they were having at the time and how uh, how limited resources they, they really had? I know a lot of folks were saying that you know, they had 50 FBI agents and all of ISP, all of Moscow Police Department. They had tens of thousands of tips. They had um, tens of thousands or thousands of hours of footage to go over. Uh, you know, there was four victims, four victimologies needed to be put in place they needed to figure out who you know why or what happened with the with the surviving victims you know all of that so it, it was a lot of work to to have been done uh, grand juries and died of that's true but that's only one part of the process you know just because you get indicted doesn't mean you're guilty you still got to go through the other process
So yeah. I just I just find it unreasonable to think that police had all of the information and had um, all the evidence, you know, what do you call it, filtered out. And it was just the Brian Koberger stuff that they were working on. It's not. Uh, so what else do we know about this case that's come out? So since Brian Koberger's arrest, what do we know about um, the evidence? What's the evidence that ties him to, to this? There's his phone being off during a specific time. That specific time that his phone is off is during the time that the murders are being taken place. We know that a white Elantra that matches or is similar or the same as the one that he drives is seen in the area around the time uh, when the murders occurred. Well, let me rephrase that. It is seen before when they, they believe the murders had occurred. It's not seen during the time in which the law enforcement believe that the murders occurred, but is seen after when they believe that the murders were over. So only that specific time um, that, that while the murders were occurring, that vehicle was not visible, right? Now, we know that this specific time was the time because of a couple of things, right? They the downloads from the phones, yeah, whether it was Dylan's, Bethany's, Zana's, you know, they have their download. Now, I'm assuming that if, and it sounds like that, that, Dylan was asleep and that she was woken up, right? If she texted somebody in the house or checked her phone, that's an indication of what time that this occurred. So you have the phones probably being activated around 4 a.m. as an indicator of when this occurred based on her statements. You have Zana's phone um, being you know, operational on TikTok till 412. Then you have audio from um, a ring camera about 50 feet away that picks up the dog barking voices, a thud, and other sounds that would be associated with the crime that was being taken, that's taking place. So the time frame in which this crime had occurred is pretty narrowed down. Do, do you see, Blue, uh, somewhere within that time frame that this crime could have occurred somewhere outside of that time frame? No, no, I think it's the time frame is actually pretty. It's a pretty like identified, I would want to say, because you know they had the time that the door dash dropped off the food. They had the time mm -hmm. she got off her TikTok, and then they have the time of the car speeding away from the scene. That puts in a pretty close window. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. So uh, one can assume though. Whether we know or not, if Brian Koberger was the sole occupant or occupant at all in that white Elantra, can do you think police and law enforcement can safely say that they think that that white Elantra is involved based on its activity from what they see in the footage? Yeah. Like, first of all, uh, when they say it fled the scene at a high rate speed, I mean, anybody know a college town, you don't want to speed anywhere around there because you're going to get, you know, if you've been drinking, pulled over because they're looking for TWI. You know, they're looking for uh, people that have been drinking. So he took a risk taking off at that speed. Yeah. And Mary, Mary, time of death has been verified. I've spoken to the mother of a victim who has 
told me the uh, verified time of death from autopsy. And it has been verified that the crime could not have happened before 3.45 a.m. So I think the window was that the police had given was 4 to 4.30. But the time of death on the, on, I think the coroner had given was somewhere around 3.45 to 4.45 or 5. And then the autopsy was like between 4 and 4.30 a.m. So, yeah, it, it has been. <clears throat> and speaking of, of speaking with Christy Gonzalez, I spoke with her yesterday, and um, we, had, we had a brief conversation. We we're talking about you know other things that are going on currently, but you know, I had asked her something that I wanted to get cleared up, and that was, you know, a lot of folks were saying that there was a. Um, video of Maddie and Kaylee walking Murphy outside after they came back home from the grub truck. Well, uh, I heard the interview where Olivia, Olivia, uh, Olivia had said that she would have thought that Kaylee and Matt, or that Kaylee would have taken out her dog. Not that she had seen Kaylee taking out her dog. All right. There's a big difference there, right? Yeah, I'll, I'll read exactly what the words were. Olivia never saw Kaylee or Maddie take Murphy out on any camera. It did not happen. Nope, not true. There it is. So I know there's a lot of theories out there. There's somebody said that they took the dogs out. And they were out there. They saw a masked man somewhere. Nope, not true at all. 100% false so when you hear this narrative from certain creators that are saying that that's the case even though uh, i'll be honest with you even though that on certain ones i have informed them that that wasn't the case they continue with that narrative you guys will now be informed that it never happened and if you think it did please send me the video i i'd love to be wrong Yeah, it's an on list of people that put out the false information. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's too long of a list, but that one we can definitely say is not true. And what we also know, and this is from my previous conversation with her, is that Jack DeCore had woken up by his roommates the day of the incident and that police were already there. We know that speaking with Christy Gonzalez, that her call, the first call to inform her that, that there was an incident happened at 1.32 p.m. And that she called Jack Core at that time. And at that time, he didn't answer. She told me the reason why he didn't answer was because he woke up. He had gone over to the victim's house because there was officers there. He identified who he was and he was asked to or was taken to the police department for questioning immediately right then and there. So we know that that had had to have happened between 12 and 1.30, right? Um, we know that they forensically downloaded his phone, um, searched him, searched his body. Uh, they took his phone away, I think, for a few days. And then go ahead, Carly, ask the question, put a couple of stars, and then um, 
I'll be able to. We'll see it. Dreamer, I, I know you you saw the interview. Send me the link. Send me the link because it's it's. I've seen it too. And what Olivia said was that Kaylee that she thought Kaylee would have, not that she did. And that's where everybody's getting it all confused. Uh, it's insane and laughable. Half of these things BK fans are coming up with ridiculous. You know, I, I, I want to be honest with you guys about something. So the other day, because I was getting so much crap, like just crap in my emails and this and that, and all these things about, no, this is how it happened. And this is what happened. And this creator said this, and this creator said that. And I was like, they were telling me that the PCA isn't credible, is not credible. The PCA is not credible. It's lies. But that user 1234 on Twitter, on Reddit, on 4chan, now they got the real information. They said that they were somebody, somebody that. So I went on my little burner account. Went to a channel. I'm not going to say which one it is. Went to their comment section and was just spewing out things that are just so unbelievable. You know, I said, "What did I say?" So I was, I was uh, part of Brian Koberger. I'm close to Brian Koberger's defense team, and um, Brian Koberger does indeed have a brother, like stuff like that. And, and you know, I had people telling me, "Hey, uh." Don't don't get his case ruined by talking, you know, being part of his defense team. And I'm like, you seriously think that, that this person saying these things like Brian Coverter has a brother or uh, what else did I say? That the reason why Brian Coverter doesn't have an alibi uh, and his phone was off is because he was abducted by aliens during that time. And there's no service out in space. And people believe it. People believe it. Like I was shocked at how much people were believing. They would believe that over anything else. So be 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 aware. There are there are some roles in the BK pro BK stuff as well. And that was the first time and the only time I've done it. And I'm not planning on doing it again. I was doing it to see how gullible some some things can be. Right. Because I, I get a bunch of crap. I get a bunch of crap like, oh, man, you know, you guys put out a clickbaity thumbnail title. And I'm like, are, are you guys the title police on these pro VK, you know, channels that are, are flat lying in their thumbnails? But <clears throat> sometimes you get play dirty and fight fire with fire right big blue yeah just remember aliens don't come from the sky they come from the ground they're ants that's true yeah that's true that's, that's so, a new uh, theory from joe rogan's show so everybody does it but yeah and, and it wasn't it wasn't any it wasn't on a channel or anything of, of somebody that's been on our channel uh, it was just somebody completely random. I got a message and a couple of um, 
a couple of emails about uh, certain things that were being said on on certain channels, and I was like, like you guys will believe anything if I go and say that I'm part of the defense, you believe it. If I go and say that I'm Brian Koberger's cousin, you believe it. But if a cop comes out here and says we got DNA on a sheath underneath the body of a victim, oh wait, whoa, that's not believable. That's not believable. Make it make sense, Blue. Make it make sense. I, I come from the water. <laughs> I think we'll ever make it make sense, man. Uh, there's gonna be a, a, a left hand to every right, you know. Well, yeah. You know, unless the right hand got chopped off somewhere. Yeah. And, and, most, and you know, it's go ahead. So most you know proportionate people, there's a left hand to the right. Yeah. And and you know what's funny though? I I didn't notice it until after I'd done it. In the comment section, I had said, Hey y'all, did y'all know this? And I realized, man, he's my Texas, Texas talk. Hey y'all. I was like, I'm gonna give myself away. <laughs> That's when you know I'm not good at this shit, this stuff. You know what I'm saying? Uh, like I said, I wanted to just kind of do a little bit of a little bit of an experiment. You know, see how much some of these things were believable. And and good golly, Almighty, you would be surprised. Well, maybe I'm not. I don't know, but it is what it is. So, what else do we know, Big Blue? Before we call it a show. What is the evidence? That's what we're talking about. What is the evidence that they have against Koberger? They have his DNA on the on a, uh, on a sheath that is underneath the body of a victim. His phone pings. They have, they have his phone pings. They have his yeah. phone off during a specific time, during the time of the murders. And the the right. prosecution will bring up his mental status. They'll bring up his history. Yeah, you know, not being able to work with, you know, because to us it's hearsay, but we assume that he's not doesn't like being, you know, told what to do by females. He or you know, his TA position falling apart, all that mindset. Well, they're gonna use all that to give the jury a good idea of what he. With him, what his thought process could be at that time, because people get desperate during those times. Yeah, you're right. Art Reese comes in with a 199 super chat. Says it seems like some creators have a problem with police. You know, I mean, I, I'm never one, or I don't want to get into like, uh, you know, how somebody should run their own channel and stuff like that. You know, but. Um, when it comes to this type of stuff, I'll, I'll be honest. I mean, it, it does kind of kind of get to me, especially when somebody is clearly taking things out of context or or editing things in a way that, like, for instance, one thing I had seen was um, on a different channel was when it came to the two SNP profiles. I had seen where a creator had um, was recording Bill Thompson. Um, talking about it and stopping it right before he explains why there was two and then reiterating things that aren't true. Now, is it because, you know, they, they I don't know. I don't know. Is it because they want clicks, views, money? They want attention? I don't know. I don't know. Or, or, or are they that ignorant to not know the difference? Maybe. I don't know. 
And and I'm not pointing at any specific creator whatsoever or anything like that. You know, uh, I just like some of that stuff, you know, like I said, yesterday I was talking with Christy and they were having a, you know, she was kind of talking about some of those things that are out there like that and how it kind of gets to her. Um, and I'm, I'll be honest, it, it does to me as well, just because these are real people. You know, it, it's fun to have your ideas and your theories if it's, you know, if we're talking about quantum leap and we're talking about, you know, some other show, uh, Law and Order. You know what I mean? But these are real people, with real feelings. And they're going through a yeah. tough time right now because. Well, yeah. I was going to say there, there's good and bad people in every position or every part of our lives. You know what I mean? There's good and bad police officers. I can admit that there's good and bad doctors. I can admit that there's good and bad nurses. Definitely can mm -hmm. admit that because I've seen it, you know. Uh, yeah. well, there's good and bad restaurant workers. There's good and bad custodians, good and bad teachers, good and bad presidents. So no matter what you do, there's always a good or bad person in our life. Kelly says corruption in Moscow way before the event took place. Yeah, but was it really Moscow that solved this case or was it the FBI? Let's be real. It's the FBI. And do you think that the FBI officers um, are going to, I don't know, um, cover up for some small town crooked cop somewhere in a town that nobody knows on a big high profile murder that, I don't know, could could affect things if they got things right. Maybe their career could go somewhere. I don't know. I don't think that they're going to put this small town crooked cop above them, above themselves. It, it doesn't make sense. It makes less sense than, you know, the folks that say, oh, Brian Koberger was a, a PhD student. You know, PhD student couldn't have committed this crime. You know, why would he throw his life away? Same thing can be said about the uh, FBI agents. Why would they throw their life away? Because if they, if they knew that something was corrupt or they found something shady in the investigation and just kind of turned their backs away, that's not only a fireable offense, but that's a criminal offense that they can go yeah. to jail for. And yeah, I'll tell you jail. what, I don't think jail is a very nice place to people that are in law enforcement at one time. So I, it's a lot of risk. It's a lot of risk. Yeah. But so back to the evidence they have, they got the, the, the DNA. They also have the camera of this car. They have his phone pings. You know, we find out later they have a receipt for a K-bar knife that he purchased in April of 2022. The same time that he is, you know, applying for a job with the Pullman Police Department as an internship, as an intern. Do you, do you, what do you think about that coincidence there, Big Blue? Now, let me add this too. We know that he applied in the fall and Pullman Police Department has confirmed uh, that he did not get selected in the fall either. So if he applied in the fall, we can assume then he didn't get the job in the spring. Right? That's what we can assume. I mean, sometimes they change their minor, they were full, but I haven't seen the letter for the spring yet. Um, right. They, 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 okay. I was just going to say, I don't think there was a letter put out. It was a uh, statement that was put out. Okay, and and then for the keyboard knife, that's pretty, pretty damning. Cause I mean, even though they do sell 
a lot of those knives, but for him to own one is pretty, you know. And it can't be found. It's not just yeah. that they own them. It, it's missing. Yeah. What are the chances of that? Yeah, it's a big coincidence. And and they got they got tags and a receipt for Dick Dickie's work clothing. Those can't be found either. Yeah. You know. What what, what? some some weird, some weird. So you have those things. What else do we have about Coburg? Oh, he was getting fired from his TA job yeah. during this time as well. And and why was he getting fired? He was having arguments with teachers and he was having some issues with students. Some of it was just his grading. However, there were some PhD students who found his behavior to be so disturbing, especially towards another female PhD student, that they began to document his behavior habits. Like, what what does that tell you, Big Blue? If somebody documents your behavior patterns. That, that means it's pretty alarming, man, because for them to do that, like, it went past the okay threshold you know what i mean like something happened that they noticed like hey this guy's kind of weird we have to keep an eye on him because you normally don't do that with people normally the time you brush it off oh, this guy's weird and then that's it but to keep track of it that means it's happened more than once right and then it begs to wonder if if these phd students were were starting off this you know behavior and and this started happening very early I mean, school started when in September, by the end of September, he was having problems. You know, or let's just say it was August. So within a month, he was having problems to the point where they were documenting his behavior. And the behavior was that he was asking out a specific girl multiple times. And then he was asking females to meet him in his office at late at night. And he would close the door behind him, even though there was policy against that. You know, um, he, he had a, I think it was a verbal argument and then a physical altercation with one of his professors. You know, he doesn't sound very stable to me. That, that's what the prosecution's going to have to, you know, talk to the jury about. You know what I mean? That's, that's one of the tactics that they do. They have to... They're not going to paint you as the nicest guy in the world. Mm -hmm. You know, if you have a history and it's documented, I mean, it is documented somewhere that uh, they put him on a probation for his work because his work uh, wasn't up to par. And I'm pretty sure they they investigated the, or talked to the professor. And I'm pretty sure there, there might be a document somewhere in all the documents of the professor's statement saying, yeah, he was uh, combated with me, you know. Maybe the the I don't. I never read the part where he got in a fight with him or argue, I know he got into like arguments with him. Never the fight. So maybe you know, it's, if it's in the professor's confession, and it's it has holds more weight towards his, you know, anger and demeanor that that they're trying to push, and they're not even pushing that right now. Right. They're not even pushing that. They're using the strict you know, facts, but you add all yeah. that with the facts. It's pretty damning. 
Yeah. And so, Holly, I know you were asking a question earlier. That's why I brought this up. I, I didn't see it. If you could ask it again, that'd be great. Uh, I missed it. My, my chat was jumping up and down. And so, yeah, no, you're right, Blue. And, you know, the one thing that I guess people are also forgetting is, well, while Koberger was in DeSales University, because they're going to say, hey, you know, Koberger was, um, you know, one of only two students recommended for the PhD class or yada, yada, yada. Right. But what people fail to notice or, or, or know is that that all happened during 2020 and 2021. That's when COVID was at its heights and virtual classes were pretty much the norm. So, yeah, he, he, he did well. But you know where he wasn't doing well at? During that time, his job as a security officer, uh, apparently a resignation letter has been surfaced uh, from Brian Koberger. He was working as a security officer at the um, school that he went to high school with, which is kind of weird because they hired him as a security officer, probably because of his parents. I think his parents work in the school district, but he was kicked out of the law enforcement program in high school because of some behavioral thing. Right. So he ends up going back and becoming a security guard. Um, he ends up resigning and on his resignation letter, the, there's a part there that he had signed where it said, now I understand that if I don't resign, I could be terminated. So all that basically means is it was quit or you're fired kind of thing. You know, they don't do that just for no reason. Right. Big blue. I mean, I've never been handed one on the letter, so I don't know. You know, I, I've always had the play. The pleasure of seeing here is my two weeks or have a nice day. And then I just yeah. walk out. <laughs> <laughs> Let me, uh, do you see Holly's question by any chance? I'm not sure if she put it back on there. Um, but I saw something right here. Ooh, I saw on a YouTube channel that was a party at the house behind the house. So that came from a lady claiming that she was 21 years old and Dylan Mortensen's friend. And when she went live somewhere, she accidentally turned on the camera and she ended up being like 40 something or at least looking like she was 40 something. Nothing to do with the case. And this is this is the thing that I kind of warn you guys when, you know, they think some of the pro burgers, I'm going to call them pro burgers, not pro. <laughs> they're pro burgers. The pro burgers will look at dot and say that information is credible. And then even when it comes to light that this person isn't a 21-year-old University of Idaho student who was friends with some of the residents, that this is a 40-year-old, 45-year-old troll from TikTok. Do you know what they still say? She might be not who she says she is, but the information could still be accurate. I mean, you could slap these people in the face with a 40-year-old person claiming to be 21 and they don't see it. I'm like, yeah, I mean, but I'm not being happens. biased. It happens in all cases. I mean, it happens in a lot of and, cases. And, and where... I do want to say this. What I mean by like the pro burgers, I'm talking about those who, like, there's nothing wrong with having an opinion or even thinking that this guy is not guilty. I, 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 f I find the the folks that are the trolls that are in the comment section that are no matter what anybody could have 
done this. The damn chief of police. I think that was actually an argument. The chief of police could have done this, but Brian Koberger couldn't. That's who I'm referring to. I'm referring to those certain people because um, just thinking that he's innocent or there's not enough evidence, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with having a different opinion. But it's when like, you know, there's a 40 year old person, their face is in the camera. You can tell they're lying to you. And yet spew that information as if it's fact. That's what I'm talking about. Does that make sense, Blue? Sorry, I was trying to bring up a comment and it, it jumped up. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. Where'd it go? So you coined the phrase pro burger. <laughs> oh yeah, pro burgers. That's what that's what we're gonna call. It. It's not it's not pro burgers, pro burgers. And like I said, it's not just those that think he might be innocent or want to wait to trial. Well, nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. In fact, like I said, I, I'm not I'm not coming up here saying that this guy's 100 guilty. There's no need for court. Take him out behind the, the 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 barn and take him out. Nowhere have I ever said that, and I've never once said that I think that he's 100 guilty. I have said that I want to see you know, all the evidence. I do think that based on the evidence that's there, it'd be very difficult for it not to be him. The story that would have to be made for it not to be him is very wild and for me, unbelievable. But, you know, some people want to see all the evidence. There's nothing wrong with that. It's the dot situation that I'm referring to. And there was some content creators who were talking about dot. And when they found out that she was not who she said she was, they jumped off of it. They, in fact, pointed it out. Right. Even though they you know, were more on the side of Koberger being innocent. They questioned this 40 year old person. And when the truth came out, it came out. And, you know, kudos to them. You know, I'm not I'm not referring to them in any way. It's the ones that say, yeah, you know. She may not be real, but the information she has is real. And the information PCA is, is fake. That's what I'm referring to. People need to stop putting out conspiracies. Tim Allen 199. Yeah, I, I would agree. I do. At this I mean, point, we agree, but we can't stop people saying what they're saying. In the same way, some people might not like us saying what we're saying either. And it's, you know, like last... Last week, we covered a case that was pretty tough, and the victims' families didn't want the information we covered to be covered, so we get it, man. It's, yeah. it's a hard choice that sometimes we have to make. Law enforcement said early on, to only pay attention to what they put out is the only credible information. People need to wait until trial for correct information to come up. And, I mean, and, and that's true. And, and one of the reasons why, um, why law enforcement um, said that is because they probably knew that they were putting out inaccurate information. So what, what do we know about the case is that physically the evidence that was there, they probably didn't have much, especially if they had to rely on an IgG makeup report to um, if they had to rely on that, then that tells me that you know they didn't have much on him or anything like that. So, you know, if somebody were to come in and just Hey, I, I I committed this crime. I confess. If if there wasn't, you know, something that like for instance in the Richard Allen case, 
there was sticks on the bodies. There was, um, they were laid out in a specific place, right? They were staged. The bodies were staged. In in that situation, you know, if somebody goes in there and says, I committed this crime, you know, one of the questions is like, all right, how did you commit it? And what did you do? Did you, what did you do with the bodies? And if their information isn't accurate or doesn't line up with the scene, then that's false confession. In this case, what I'm assuming is there wasn't probably something like that that they could lean on. So what they were leaning on is time that this occurred between four and four thirty. So they tell people that it occurred between three and three thirty or whatever. And what that does is one, you know, if you're out and about at four, you're probably out and about at three thirty, three fifteen, three fifty. Uh, I mean, three fifty. So you would assume that if somebody came forward saying they were out at that time and around that area, then it's probably the same person. But if somebody comes forward and says, hey, I committed this crime. They said, all right, what time did you get there? I got there at 315. I left 345. All right. Well, you know, that guy's lying because it happened at four. Right. So that's probably why the information came out that way and why they themselves even said that some of the information may not be accurate because they weren't even giving accurate information. I'm still baffled at the amount of money the state is giving to a public defender. Yeah. Um, I mean, but go ahead, Blue. It's a high profile case. I mean, I, I even remember when this first happened, the uh, the state gave like over $100,000 to help to, the, you know, to keep the FBI and the case going. So they're, they're invested already. Yeah. Yeah, they did. And th the thing is, too, you have to give this guy his fair trial. You know, you have to give him every opportunity to defend himself. That's part of the system. Uh, I believe that in most cases, not in all, there's nothing 100 percent accurate. But in most cases, the system works out right. You know, you do have some situations where it doesn't. All right. But for the most part, it does. And. You know. Just, I don't know. I'll leave it at that. Um, yeah. but it's, a, yeah. it's a DP case. Yeah. It's a... It is. And, you know, with it being a DP case, that's probably why a lot of the information is wanting to be kept close to the best, so to speak. Um, oh, there you go. Sissy says $5 super chat. Thank you, Sissy. Daniel. I was looking for it. I've been looking for that question. Holly wants to know if the black jacket by the fire hydrant was Kaylee's. I'll ask, I'll ask um, Christy. I don't think so, to be honest with you. Um, but I'll ask Christy that if there's any truth to that. Let me write that down. Black jacket. I'm not going to ask her today. Today's not a day that I want to uh, interrupt her and what her family are doing. Maybe not even Thoughts and prayers go out to them. It's going to be a tough, you know, week, month. You know, holidays are, are are just around the corner, and they're missing a loved one at their table this 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 season. So you know, it's one of those things where thoughts and prayers go out to them. Yeah, one hundred percent, man. It's 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 just sad. It should have never happened. Holly says, in my opinion, he is guilty in my book. I will judge. I see what's right in front of us. 
I mean, you have that right too. I mean, nobody should feel bad about their opinion. If you think he's 100% guilty, you think he's 100% guilty. If you think he's 100% innocent, you know, that's fine too. There's nothing wrong with it. Um, you know, I don't know. I guess for me, I, I think he did it, but yet I can point out things and be factual and unbiased about it. Like, for instance, uh, the fact that I think that they didn't have Brian Koberger's car or the year of car until they had his name. That doesn't really work out for the prosecution, but it doesn't change the fact that that's true. Right. I mean, at the end of the day, that's it is what it is. I try to keep everything 100 and you know, I keep it a buck. If it if it works in favor of my opinion or not, it doesn't hold weight to me. Like, for instance, the Richard Allen case. I thought that guy was, was it. It was him. It was him by himself. Probable cause affidavit came out. I read that. Thought it was him by himself. Blue, you too, right? Yeah, I did. And then until and, the recent information, I'm like, hmm, getting me. Yeah, thinking. makes you think. Make, yeah, exactly. Makes you think. Makes you wonder. And for me, um, I don't know. I don't know. Now, if I was biased or whatever, I would look at the information and say, "Nah, it don't mean shit." Guy's guilty as hell. So just because I don't agree with your opinion doesn't mean I'm, I don't know, that I'm wrong. Yeah, so there, a discussion, not a jury. Yeah, everybody's going to have their opinion, their reasoning to do what they do. And it's, it's part of, you know, being a conscious person you make your own decisions so grow up drunk turkey oh we need to grow up uh, mpd is already in trouble for past corruption right there is everything to think the mpd is corrupt so then why doesn't everybody in 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 moscow just get away with everything because somebody did something once corrupt like oh they did something once corrupt so that means every crime that has been committed in there, it's just let go of all the criminals. Open up the prison. Let them out. Let them out. In fact, if one if one officer is corrupt in the United States of America, then all officers are corrupt, right? That's the that's the point of view there. That's the thought. Then let out all the criminals. And we'll see how quickly people would be complaining about that. I'm going to say there could be a corrupt one. It could be. But normally nowadays... Man, there's zero tolerance for that kind of stuff. They, it's um, hard, dude. They, they clean house. I mean, they like I've seen it in a town here near here where it was corrupt for a while. They clean house. They got rid of the police department. It's a sheriff mm -hmm. department that takes care of that that town now. So if it was that yep. bad, I'm pretty sure the Indiana State Police would be involved because they have a yep. lot more uh, moral rights to take care of the people than. You know, that's the thing, though. I think it was an Idaho State Police officer, Tolman or something like that, who was accused of something um, and they lied about evidence. It was a murder trial or something like that. But I get it. But my question is, what was that person's involvement in this case? Because the only thing that I've seen in that person's involvement was that they were assisting with tips like anybody's tips. Like, for instance, um, if I called in a tip and said, hey, somebody called me and said that this was um, something happened and, you know, they, they called the show. 
Well, I would be assigned an officer to take that tip. Now, do you think that the officer that is taking my tip is really anything to do with the investigation if their duties is to collect tips? It's not. Their, their primary duty is not the investigation. All right. So, and then again, as I mentioned before, it really wasn't Moscow Police Department that solved this case. Again, if I was biased, I would say it was Moscow PD. They did a great job. It wasn't Moscow PD. The FBI, keep it a hundred or keep it a buck. The FBI is who figured out who this guy was, right? That's Moscow it. PD built built the case against him, and built one that was legal. And but it was the FBI who figured it out. What do you What do you think, bro? Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, I think they worked together and they left it for the police department to build the case against him. So, I think, you know, they did a good time frame in the job wise they got somebody within two months instead of two years yeah well i mean the fbi did the igg they got his name they identified the vehicle as being a 2014 16 they also identified it as an 11 or 13 elantra uh they're the ones that did the um locations on on his phones for the 12 times that he was in the area or the victims lived you know, what really did Moscow do in, outside of once they got his name, we're like, all right, let's pull up the interwebs and look at this guy. Oh, he's a criminologist, P, PD, P, PhD student. Oh, look at this Reddit post he has over here talking some weird stuff about emotions during the commission of crime. You know what I mean? So once they looked into him, that's when it was, all right, things started to happen. Things started to fall in place and they started to fall in place quickly. You know, there's there's a lot of like boxes that need to be checked. And, you know, I want to say that BK pretty much check marks all of them. You know, was he up and around during the time of the murder? Yeah, that check mark. Um, Was his phone at the residence or off during the crime to elude the the investigation? Check mark. Does he drive a white Elantra? Check mark. Is he about six foot? Check mark. With Bush eyebrows check mark um is his dna at the scene check mark know what i mean there's too many coincidences for for it not to be him or to be an accomplice but for him to be the bit and not want to say anything to me you know needs more to he's hiding something yeah, but I mean, you're you're not guilty to, you know, you you go through trial, um, yeah. and then we'll see what the uh, your peers find you as. Right, and and you're right. I mean, you're not guilty. There, there, there's court for a reason, right? Just because somebody's arrested, just because somebody's indicted, doesn't mean that they're guilty of the crime, right? They have to be found guilty by a group of their peers, 12 members usually. And that hasn't happened yet. Now, today's age, a lot more information comes out about things. And and not only that, there's a lot more technology. So evidence is, is um, what do you call it? Uh, it's easier to collect. It's more damning. Like, hell, 
they just last year they found out who the Zodiac killer was because of DNA that he left behind. And they did the, uh, IgG or something like that on him, too. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. But they found yeah. C. Vanderhoof, member for seven months. Thank you. Says, who, in your opinion, was saying I am here to help and why? I don't know, to be honest with you. I mean, it could be something sadistic from the killer. You know, if he did idolize BTK, you know, the the T in that BTK was torture. So I don't know if maybe perhaps he thought he had time because my theory is he went up to the third floor. He committed the crime up there and he heard somebody yell downstairs, um, whether it be Dylan to the same to be quiet. And as he came downstairs, I think that Zana had already come out, maybe perhaps after Dylan yelled. And also because it's to my understanding that the rear sliding glass door was opened once and only open and never closed again. So there's probably a draft going on. Right? She walks out. She sees the sliding glass door open, turns around to go call Ethan, who's asleep, who's her boyfriend. She walks back to her bedroom. So remember, her dad just changed the lock and they automatically lock on her bedroom. So uh, the door couldn't have been closed when BK entered. So either they left their door open or as Zana was entering the door, which I'm assuming it was Zana, so was co-worker behind her, or allegedly co-worker behind her, um, with her not knowing. Which would make sense as to why there's no DNA under the victim's nails, right? And the reason we can say there's no DNA under the victim's nails is because the DNA that they utilized to um, to arrest Koberger was only the DNA on the sheath. Unless there was a mixture. And the only reason they used the DNA on the sheath was because it was single source. But if no, I don't know. I don't think so. If there was if there was DNA under the nails, that's pretty damning. Right. You can't you can't say, oh, I touched an item and that's how my massive amount of skin cells ended up under somebody's fingernails that died from a knife wound. Right, Blue? Yeah, yeah, because, you know. For your, the skin to get into the fingernails is pretty tough. I mean, they would have to have a really close contact to you. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, I mean, it says something. Like if this person was dying and there's nails or skin cells under their fingernails, it means that they fought back. Yeah, and that, would that would you would assume that the if they were fighting back and they scratched the person that was killing them, so that is the DNA of the suspect. So that DNA would be would be the first DNA that they would have used, right? And mm-hmm. the fact that they used the DNA on the sheet tells me there was no other DNA there, right? And if there was no other DNA there and there's a ring camera that doesn't have sounds of screaming or fighting, that leads me to believe that all of these victims were taken by surprise. Yeah, I, think, would, I, would, I would say it was more of a surprise um, because there's no trails leading anywhere. Like, mm-hmm. you know, if you was trying to cover the scene somewhere, you know, of putting somebody in a room, there would have been trails of him carrying or, 
of dragging somebody through the door. I don't yeah. I think this was a surprise, but that's for another night. And I'm like tonight, you know, we just wanna yeah, say you know, thoughts and prayers go out to the families. I know today is a tough day. Yeah, no, it definitely is. Our thoughts and prayers do definitely go out to the families. Um it's it's unfortunate and you know there's no time or, or there's no indication of when court will resume there's a lot more stuff that's going on um you know last thing i'll say on that is i think it's a tactic you know and they're wanting to prolong this case i think that if you look at certain i guess maybe just look at views I don't know. I don't know what that means or not, but you know, the Koberger didn't do this is gaining you know traction, and not because there's evidence saying that he's innocent, but because certain persons are 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 looking at evidence in a certain light that there's no way we could possibly know if it's one way or another without going to court and looking at everything, right? And that that drama, that sensationalism is what ends up grasping the attention of people. And I think that the defense teams know that, that that's what attracts. You know, at first it was, oh, man, you know, there was a horrible incident that occurred. You know, let's find this guy. And since the rest, it was all right. You know, this guy did it. And then as nothing has come out and people just continue to talk about it, it somehow has changed to the point where even people are blaming victims, family members. It's disgusting, but you know, I'm just, I think that that's gaining some traction. And I think that the defense is seeing that. And, you know, if they're seeing something like that, why, why rush it? And then there's the other aspect too: the, the house, the house was supposed to be knocked down. Um, after, or it's supposed to be knocked down at the end of the semester. They were only keeping it up this semester because court was supposed to happen in October. Yeah. You know, is it possible that they're forcing this to be prolonged because eventually that house is going to be knocked down? And if trial takes too long to occur, uh, then he can kind of ensure that that house is knocked down by then? I mean, there's there's some benefits for this. I mean, he's sitting behind bars and, you know, a lot of people say, you know, he's innocent and he wouldn't want to spend an extra hour there. Well, if it helps your case, I guess you would. What do you think, Blue? And give us some final words so we can let everybody go. Yeah, I mean, if, if um, it's just the way the system works, I want to say, because I've seen a lot of cases, people spend years and then they get, you know, the case overturned because the evidence didn't point to them. The DNA pointed to somebody else. But to me, in this one, the DNA points to him. So I don't see that kind of flip on this one. We'll see. Yeah. I want to thank everybody that joined us tonight. We'll be back out on Wednesday, unless something else breaks uh, between here and there. On Wednesday, we're going to have Anthony Greeno from True Crime Investigates. He is a former resident of Delphi, Indiana, and he's been investigating the Libyan Abbey case, the Delphi murders, the Richard Allen um, double homicide case. For the last five, six years, he's got some great insight on the case. We'll be bringing him up. He has a video 
video of the map area and time frame of the timeline of when the kill, the, the double homicide had occurred and how it really narrows it down to Richard Allen. We're going to have a great conversation with him. Make sure you catch it. Hit that like, hit that subscribe button, ring that notification bell. With that being said, we're out of here, guys. We'll see you next good time. Good night. Peace. Take care.